1: Well, for those that are looking for a show in Toronto today, they are certainly getting one with the Blue Jays up five to one. But those Cleveland Indians, man, it's back to Major League. Maybe part four, or five. It's not even back to the minors anymore. It's back to Andrew Miller, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Welcome to the show, everybody. Seth Kamen, Sean Palmer, Blog Talk Radio, BackSportsPage.com, and if I have any voice by the end of the show, I'll be surprised.
0: Howdy, Seth. Well. Well, for a couple of reasons. Number one, well, because you have a big mouth. Number two, we're going to be talking about Ooh. probably two, about, well, you do have a big mouth. We've all known this for years. Anyone who listens to the show knows this. Also, we're doing, Ooh. you know, just as we have college football and college, and, you know, college basketball or my previews, today is your preview. And while I will contribute from time to time, the NHL is your love. And there is no love like your so, love. <laughs>
1: yes Well there's no love that there, There's also no love like the flu Which you get every once in a while in the fall Especially when it's 85 degrees in New York Which it was today The changing of the temperatures does not sit well very well With me this year
0: No huh? I get uh, typically get allergies But luckily today I took off uh, Busy season part two Is now over I have a life again So I'm sitting here watching, watching the uh, game and I'm feeding feeding Jake with my elbow. All is right while sitting while sitting on my couch drinking a beer. All is life. Right, all is well in the world. There you go. Seven
1: six zero two eight three zero eight four six seven six zero two eight three zero eight four six. We'll get to the baseball in a minute. Let's let's talk a little NFL. Let's start with there. The disgrace that was the Jets last night. I I really have no words to describe that. But more importantly. I have no words to describe how boring a game it was last night. And I wanted to bring up, we've talked many times about the ratings and how the ratings have not been there for the NFL this year, and they have blamed it on the political season or just too much football perhaps or super saturation of football. But I found it, and Seth, I'm not sure if you watched the game last night, but Sean McDonough, there, there were so many penalties last night that every other play probably had a flag going at some point. And Sean McDonough brought up, and Sean McDonough is, is look, he's a Syracuse grad. He's, he's one of my boys.
0: We we partied
1: in New Orleans during the Final Four in 2003. So pictures,
0: I'm sure are he, I'm sure he remembers. I'm, I'm sure he remembers you as well as you remember him.
1: Oh, I guarantee you, he doesn't remember much from that night.
0: <laughs> he 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 was he he was a little
1: slightly intoxicated, but you know what? Most of the people at at uh, Pat O'Brien's were. The fact is, he brought up last night. He said, "If the NFL wants a reason for the ratings to be where they are, it's because of this type of game, which was every other play was a stoppage and play. Every other play was a flag. Every other play, it was it was hard to watch, and not just because." The Jets suck because they really do, and they played an awful game last night. But the football itself, the quality of the football, you've been arguing this for years, last night was just just a bad game. Just overall, just bad, bad football. And I didn't watch a lot of the Sunday games because that's what happens when your team plays Monday night. You relish in the fact that you don't have to be sorry for a loss during Saturday or Sunday. You prepare for the loss on Monday. Was it? I, I, I'm sure you watched the Ravens Giants. Was it the same type of game? I know that there was a comeback at the end, and OBJ had 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 a great game. But
0: was the football good? Um, it was. It was not. I've been saying, this, as you stated, I've been saying this for years. I think caliber of football has gone down. Um, it was a fun game. Neither defense was particularly good. Um, after the, the second half, you know, OBJ proposing to the net was a little bit overkill for my type, a couple of really lousy calls by the refs, but for all intents, it was an enjoyable game to watch. I was watching. Well, I worked all day Sunday, so I was watching it during to answer your question. I watched about five or six minutes of the Jets game. Um, there was no question in my mind of what was going to happen. And I, think, I mean, I would have preferred a few more points from Carson Palmer for fantasy purposes. But other than that, it was, um, I expected about a 26-10 kind of game. You know, I, Sean and I had, this, Sean was a little bit more optimistic about the, be, about the Jets this season, the beginning of the season. I thought their schedule was so rough. I, I think I had predicted one and six to start the year. You did. And I you and you know they're they're and they're almost there. I think they're what are they one in five? Um,
1: yeah, they play Baltimore next week,
0: right? Which is a fifty fifty game, and uh, neither the Jets, you know, the defense. I I'm, the offense I thought would be average, and it's kind of what it's been. Um, they were terrible last night. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been awful, you know, and the Gino Smith. You hear Geno Smith complaining that he's antsy. Nobody cares, Gino. You know, I mean, I get it, but you're not the future of this franchise, no matter what, anyway. So to play you wouldn't make sense. I think, you know, Bulls is just in an awkward situation of you just you paid twelve, you know, you paid for the starter. Again, it's a one-year contract, so there'll be no issue going forward. But the rookies aren't ready, and Gino is pretty much universally disliked by the organization. So no one's really in a rush to throw him in there. And the problem that you have is, with all, for all intents and purposes, your season very well may be over already. You know, maybe not yet. At a minimum, eight to nine of the last 11, last 10. And while your schedule does get easier, um, you're just not that good. But what's been so disappointing is how mediocre the defense has been. You know, with that with that line of Wilkinson and Richardson and – uh, well, Harrison jumped to the Giants, obviously, and Leonard Williams. Now, there's an expectation. You know, you still have David Harris. You of course have Darrell Rivas, who's you know past his prime, but still thought still thought to be a top cornerback. The defense has been terrible.
1: Absolutely. And
0: you know, well, Brandon Marshall is been be solid. Fair, but yeah,
1: yeah. To be fair, okay. And I really didn't realize this before last night. And I've watched every Jet game. Look. I'm a passionate. I'm, I'm an unapologetic Jet fan. I mean, I always look at the bright side for them. But last night showed me more than ever how much Eric Decker has really missed in this offense, because there is nobody else to throw to. Eric Decker was the slot guy. Eric Decker was the was the bailout guy, the Jeremy Curley type guy. Not to say Jeremy Curley was great, but Jeremy Curley had 70 catches
0: last Jeremy year. was a solid. Was a solid. Number
1: three receiver. Number three.
0: Absolutely.
1: But and Decker is a better than Jeremy Curley type receiver, but still the t- same type of receiver. And when you lose your slot guy, when you lose your guy that bails you out, if you lose a, a Julian Edelman or you lose a Wes Welker in his prime, you lose, let's look at the the Giants. When they lost Victor Cruz – without having Sterling Shepherd in the year that they that they didn't prepare to lose Victor Cruz. There was a big drop off in that offense because a lot of that offense runs through the slot guy. And yeah. I I I didn't notice it until last night, but I'll tell you right now, it wouldn't matter who you put behind at quarterback, there are you can double team Marshall, there are no holes, the offensive line is is old the defensive line is not getting pressure, and the back seven is, is awful. Even with Revis, it's awful. So, you know what? You're right. My season is probably over. The issue that I have is that the Jets never suck bad enough. They just don't. They, when they suck, they get the eighth pick in the draft. When they suck, they get the fourth pick in the draft in a three-pick draft. And the question that the Jets are going to have is if they suck enough, and I've used suck a lot on this cast already, if they stink enough, if they have the first three picks in the draft, are they willing to forego the Christian Hackenberg era for a number one pick and pick a quarterback? Yeah, And and there are
0: quarterbacks out there. Deshaun Watson. Lamar Johnson, sure. Jackson, Brad Kadya, the, the, the Kaiser from Notre Dame. There are quarterbacks out there. And that was going to be yep. my exact question was, you know, it was you had drafted, it was, but the problem is you didn't draft Hackenberg in the fourth round or the fifth round. It's a concession of a wasted second round pick, which, you know, yep. even when you have the argument with Kirk Cousins versus RG3, Cousins was taken in the fourth round. No, Hackenberg was picked number nope. I think 50 give or take. No, nope. this
1: so, nope. you know
0: you you know my question is is Todd Bowles in trouble?
1: No. I don't think Bowles is in trouble. I think I think the defense has to step it up a little bit. I think there's no youth on that defense whatsoever. Um when your second cornerback is Buster screen and the whole reason you got Buster screen who was flag for four penalties, three in a row, yes, last night. You three in a Buster row? screen. You? Yeah. Three in a row. Three plays in a row, not three penalties in a row. I mean it was it was watching a yellow there were more yellow flags on the field than there were balls on the field, it seemed like most of the time. Buster screen was signed to be a slot corner. And unfortunately he's playing on the outside. He's not an outside guy. He never has been. He never will be. He's a slot guy. But because they don't have the talent, he's he has he's been forced to play the outside. And he is getting killed because he's holding everybody. He's interfering with everybody. They just don't have the talent. Is, is Todd Bowles in trouble? I don't think so. I think he gets one more year. I think what will happen is if the Jets are presented, if they have a top five pick, and they are presented with a guy like Jalen Ramsey. I'm just picking last year's guys. A Jalen Ramsey, a top-flight corner, or a top-flight, probably linebacker won't work, but let's say uh, probably a corner. I mean, that's the only one I can think of. They will take the corner and stay with Hackenberg. But if there's no top-flight guy there, they're not going to take another defensive lineman. That's just that's lunacy.
0: That,
1: was, that would be insane, right? Because uh, I mean, you have Muhammad Wilkerson on a five-year contract. You have Sheldon Richardson coming back at least for one more year. You have Leonard Williams for in his rookie contract, who you just spent the number six pick on. There's no way they pick a defensive lineman, but an offensive lineman, a right tackle, absolutely. A cor- a, a cornerback, absolutely. If there are guys of that level. And I haven't delved enough into college football and the draft, which is one of my favorite times of year, to give you a good analysis of that. And I'm not sure you know any of the right tackles or the left tackles at this juncture that I know I Notre Dame's got a couple of big boys.
0: Well, if not, that may be the only thing Notre Dame has because the two and four, or two and five, I forget which, Brian Kelly, it may not you know, two years ago people were talking about him for an NFL job. He may not. He may not have a job at South Bend after this year. Um, yeah, the Jets. But I mean, as you, as you said, and this is probably what's going to happen. Is it seems to happen every year with the Jets. They're going to be one. They, I, you know, I forget. If they they playing. They're home against Baltimore, so they could. They could very well win this game. Um, yep. But you're looking at a pretty upward swing. And. Yep. I mean, you know, you're looking at potentially, you know, with a, with, a, with an easy schedule going down the road. 6 and 10 7 and 9 and you pick number 11. And yay, which is exactly your point. And it's a team I mean, that is unfortunately going nowhere fast.
1: Agreed. Completely agreed. They need an overhaul of their team. They were built for one year. And unfortunately, with the Ryan Clady contract with Eric Decker with Brandon Marshall, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, with Matt Forte. They were built for this year. Unfortunately, this year is not happening. And Geno Smith, look, the only reason Geno Smith was in that game was Geno Smith was the only other quarterback that was dressed. I don't think they would have put Geno Smith in if Bryce Petty was dressed. I think Petty would have gotten it. But, needless to say. Okay, so you brought a little topic of Brian Kelly. With Notre Dame, Notre Dame I believe is now two and four. Uh, Notre Dame, four, Notre Dame, Dame five, just signed what. two and four, two and five. Notre Dame just signed Brian Kelly after last year to a huge extension. Is he really in trouble? Is is this the is this a possible? I, and and I know we flipped we flipped to college bas college football, but. I, I know we got to get through this because we still have baseball and the hockey preview. So I know I'm moving a little fast, but is he actually in trouble? Because Notre Dame, look, they are who they are. uh, Look, I sound like Dennis Green. They are who they say they are. But the fact is they still get recruits, but they're not – look, it's not Notre Dame of the 70s anymore. I mean, I know we say that every
0: year, but it's true. Well, that was a point that I was trying. They're actually two and five. Um, they have wins over Nevada and Syracuse. By the way, congrats on your Cuse uh, big win this weekend over Virginia Tech. Um, in Los and Los I, Los I will, Texas. No, I, say, I will for be there. For, I, I,
1: I will be there for the uh, Boston College game this weekend. So go on.
0: Are they up in Cuse, or is it being played here?
1: No, they play in BC.
0: Oh, okay, nice. Um, Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think, first of all, they just paid off the Charlie Weiss contract. I'm not sure if they've still paid it, if they've even finished paying that off yet. Um, And and Charlie Weiss is now three coaches ago, two coaches ago. I I lose track. Um, Brian Kelly is not going anywhere. People are starting to talk because, because it's Notre Dame, but this is something that I've said for years. Notre Dame, to me, is not an overwhelmingly attractive jump. It it, it has the mystique. It has, you know, touchdown Jesus. But to me, if you can play in a better, you know, better weather, you can play in California or Florida. In that Midwest over the last 20 years, I mean, let's think about this logically. Notre Dame has been to the BCS three times, I believe. Maybe four. Is since since its inception in 20 years ago, 1997. And even though the BCS is gone, uh, but in that, in this 18 year, 19 years, two of those years, they probably didn't belong there. One of them getting annihilated by Oregon state, uh, the Chad Johnson, T.J. Hushman got a team another time losing to LSU, with Jamarcus Russell by 30. Um, and then they lost of course in the championship game to Alabama, which they had no business in anyway. Um, they haven't been very good for a really long time. And, you know, and the idea of what happened, you know, that they were great in the forties with, in the fit, in the twenties, even with thirties, it me, with rock meat. And then with the forties and fifties with Frank Leahy and the sixties with Arab Parsigan And, and yeah, you know, they haven't been great in a long time. Are they, are they more attractive than a Michigan, than a Michigan or or a Michigan state or an Ohio state. Well, probably Michigan state, but I don't see the prestige with them anymore. And I think it's just, it's kind of, it's almost like with the Yankees where you where the people inside the organization, the people inside the university or the people who are alumni of, or the yet diehard Yankee fans see themselves as this all encompassing. While no one else really, well, everyone else kind of says practically, well, the Yankees haven't won won one championship in seven, 15 years. And Notre Dame is is last championship was in 1988. And so they're not, they're just not, they're on the peripheral, peripheral relevancy. And I don't see them going anywhere in either direction, anytime in the near future.
1: Yeah. Seth, I'd go even further. They used to have the television contract, right? Which set them apart from just about everybody that, Right. Players and recruits could say, "Yeah, I'm going to be on NBC every week." But now with the way cable television is gone and the way these ACC network, SEC network, Big 10 network go on and on and on, that's not such an allure anymore. Recruits can be seen anywhere, at any time, on any channel. So,
0: completely agree. But they still do
1: they still do get good recruits and Still is they, still the get, award. they still get good
0: and they still get good ratings. It's like Duke basketball. Correct. They're a the team that everyone either loves or hates. Now, Correct. my feelings are pretty obvious. But the difference is Duke has won five championships. Duke has, has been relevant for the last fifteen years. Notre Dame is not. They well, just aren't. I think
1: relevance. Well, I think relevancy is all relative, right? They've been in yeah. BCS games. It's not that they're not yes, relevant. They, they, Look, if you well, want. Wait, well, if you want to but say. First of all, if you want to say. say but, okay. Seth, if you want to say that Syracuse football and Maryland football haven't been relevant in, since 2001, I'd give you that. They haven't. But if you. agree, I, I mean, they Agreed. really haven't. But Notre no. Dame's been in BCS yeah. games. So, I mean, well, they're relevant. But
0: as I said. They're, in three just, of the four games they probably didn't even belong in the BCS number 1 and number 2 relevant in compar- Maryland and Syracuse relevancy is not the same as Notre Dame relevancy agree and Notre Dame Completely agree. Notre Dame's expectation is to be a top 5 to 10 team every year and, 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 and challenge for a national championship Maryland and Syracuse is oh. and although both Schools now seem to have a little bit more upside with, uh, c- c- with their with the coaching changes. You know, for this year, Maryland and Maryland and Syracuse would each be happy just to get a bowl bid. You know, Maryland's in a con- sure. in, in a division with Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. You yeah. know, there, it's it's all co- in compa- it's all compared. You know, it's all what your expectation is. in compare in comparison well, to what people, what Notre Dame's relevant expectation is. They have not been relevant. And that's but because their expectations right?
1: Wait, but who has that expectation anymore? You and I certainly don't. So who has that expectation? Maybe that's where the misses. The fan, the
0: they're, a their fan base. B. It seems like the analysts still love them after all these years. I don't know why, um, but they still get more media than any other college football team. Sends Alabama. So I mean. To us, to me, they've been a mediocre team for twenty-five years. They've won one championship. So to Georgia Tech, so to Colorado, big
1: deal. You know, I, I'd, like, they, I'd like to say I would, I would happily take that one championship in football.
0: Just well, you'd have to take you know. the one championship in anything. Well, oh, oh, that's
1: true. I mean, but I mean, for Syracuse, I'd really like a football championship. That would be kind of awesome on so many levels. But, um, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I, I totally get what you're saying. Look, there's been a lot of shakeup in, in the in the college football world. Obviously, Notre Dame not there. Syracuse actually winning a convincing win against Virginia Tech. Maryland falling, I'm sorry to say. But yeah. you're right. The the expectations are definitely less on our two teams than they ever will be on Notre Dame. We've reached about the quarter poll of the college football season. Let me ask you, what's been your biggest surprise, sans Notre Dame, if that was a surprise, of the college football season so far? We've reached between the quarter and the halfway point.
0: Surprise. Texas A&M has been a shock. We're seeing them at, um, I guess they're probably number five or number six in the polls, although they play Alabama this week, so that's probably not going to last too long. Disappointment, how Bad USC has been. Um, Clay Helton gets the job, you know, after pretty much after, based on one win, a victory over UCLA. They get kicked, they get beaten in the bowl game. They're three and two, they're four and three. They're pretty mediocre. Um, they've been a disappointment. Michigan State has been a huge disappointment um, considering how good they were last year. They're two and four. I mean that's never really happens. Um, those are my those are my surprises. I ex, you know I expected um you know people expected Louisville to be good they may not have expected them to be this good. People expected Houston to be good they may not have ex, you know I mean I'm surprised that they lost to maybe Washington is a bit of a shock at 6-0 and really running roughshod over the whole Pac-10. I think they play Utah this week. And when, you, when your top three teams in, in the Pac-10 are Washington, Utah, and Colorado, that's a weird year. There's no other way to say well,
1: it. Well, the last, yeah, I mean, the last time Utah was relevant, they had Alex Smith, and the last time Colorado was relevant,
0: maybe Michael
1: Westbrook, 1993. Yeah, the,
0: I mean the Cordell, the Cordell, the Cordell Stewart years. Um, they have. Yeah, our, they've our, been bowl games, but they haven't been. They haven't been highly ranked. I think in a long, long time.
1: Yeah, maybe the Gary Barnett years. I mean, that might that might be a little bit more recent. But you're right. I mean, certainly they have not been relevant for a very long time. And will the Pac-10 actually get some love this year? From
0: all- I, th- I think they have a shot. I think they got a much better shot than the Big 12 does. Um, the Big Twelve. There's, I, I mean, it's hard to hard to say this. I mean, we're 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 not even halfway through the through the year. But if Baylor, I mean, the only two teams with chances at the playoff are Baylor and West Virginia. And Neither team is really scaring the other. It's really scaring anybody. Yeah. And so, you know, I I I don't think you're going to have both Ohio State and Michigan make it. I think you'll have one team. You'll have Alabama. You'll have one of the ACC teams, um, whoever it is, and then you're going to have a t- an interesting discussion. You know, a t- I can't imagine a 12 and 0 Washington team. You know, even though we know very little about them except that Jake Browning is a Heisman candidate and Chris Peterson is doing pulling his miracle act again outside of Boise. You know, having come over three years ago, I don't know what. Else, nobody knows anything about them except they put down 7 7 on Ohio on, on Oregon. And that's pretty impressive. No that, matter what,
1: that, that was that was going to be my next sentence or my next question to you. Is that who's your Heisman Trophy winner at this point?
0: Uh, Lamar Jack, uh, the quarterback of Louisville. Um, I forget uh, Jackson Johnson. I, I'm for some reason I'm skipping on the name. Um, you know, he was not very good against Duke, but. He's still, to me, Lamar Jackson, to me, has been the best player in college football this year. I have not, to be fair, I have not watched any Washington games. I haven't seen Jake Browning. Cornette's been hurt, and just LSU has been a disaster. There's no one in Alabama, no one at A&M. You know, there may be, you know, you can talk about maybe JT Barrett at Ohio State. You can talk maybe about Jabril Peppers in Michigan. Right now, I would probably say, you know, just kind of thing. I'd still go with Lamar Jackson. Sean Watson's been a step down. I'd probably say Jackson or Javon Javon Peppers, one of the two. Gotcha. Okay.
1: Well, look, we're we're at the halfway point of the show. We still have a little bit of baseball to talk about and then obviously the NHL preview. Look, NHL is the fourth out of the four sports. There's no question about it. Um, Seth doesn't really follow it There are a lot it, It's certainly in the minority Of U.S. citizens No question about it And a lot of that comes from the fact That it's not shown on ESPN uh, It's shown on NBC But it's shown very rarely When ESPN had the contract And John bouchard was the face below with Barry Melrose Certainly more exciting And certainly more popular Than, than it was today and that happened after the strike. The strike really killed it. But let's go on to something that is exciting in Canada right now and is exciting in Cleveland right now. And I'll tell you right now, if Cleveland had a hockey team this year, I'd be betting on them to win the NHL playoffs as well because it looks like Cleveland's the city this year. They they couldn't win for how many years, and they have an NBA champion. And aside from today's defeat against the Blue Jays, and they're entitled to one defeat, Andrew Miller looks like the next Mariano Rivera, if not better. And that team is smoking on every possible level, Set.
0: Did you just say that Andrew Miller could be the better Mariano Rivera?
1: I think he is putting on a show that is better than any show that Mariano Rivera did in the playoffs
0: this postseason so far. He's been I mean, great, but seen... well, He's been phenomenal, but okay. they've won five games. Well, let's look, let's let's let them see. Let's let's kind of see how the rest of the, the rest of the playoffs progress. And I'm assuming Andrew as Cleveland's well, no I'm I'm not going
1: to even go there. I mean, look at this, Mariano, Look, Mariana Rivera did not pitch in as many games as Andrew Miller did already. In a row Andrew Miller has a 125 batting average He has allowed no runs No runs In seven innings In seven innings he has 17 strikeouts He's faced 28 Batters and struck out 17 of them If you want to put that in a nine inning game He's struck out 20 batters per nine innings And the best part about it The very best part about it is he has not pitched the ninth inning for the majority of these of these appearances. Come in whenever this team has needed him. And, look, right now, he – not only is that the best trade of this year, but he's the best pitcher in the postseason this year. And he, he is putting on a clinic,
0: a clinic for pitching. He has been fantastic, and I'm not disputing that. I would just before we make any comparisons, I would just like to see him, just see how the rest of the postseason goes. Um, and also, we should probably give a little bit of love to Clayton Kershaw, who pitched, who came in and pitched in Game Five against Washington, and then two days later, or three days later, pitched a uh, set, pitched seven innings of, of no run ball against the Cubs. Um, but yeah, Miller's no, been great, and. Assuming when we're talking about Cleveland, obviously the Browns are just a minor league team at this point, so we don't even really consider them as professional. Um, look, a lot of the a lot of the, nothing would make the Midwest happier. Nothing would make a lot of sports fans happier than to see the Indians versus the Cubs. You know, the, you know these are two of the longest suffering fan you know fandoms in 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 in, main, in the big four sports. And Cleveland, I think Cleveland's last title was what nineteen. 19- they okay. No, they lost did they win 54. Or did they lose? They beat the Giants and they swept the Giants in 54. So that's 60 yep. some odd years ago. Um, and you know, when Bob fell an early winner, that's what that's the time frame we're looking at. You're going back a long way, and they've had some heartbreak along the way. Uh, you know, with Game Seven in the 97 with Jose Mesa against against the, against the Marlins comes comes to mind. Um, and of course, the Cubs are the Cubs. The Cubs haven't had any too many heartbreaking World Series defeats. They just had a whole set of other issues. Um, but we'll see what happens. Well, they have not looked great. The Cubs have not looked great so far through two games. Um, they're not hitting the ball particularly well. And but there is an inor- look. There is an enormous amount of talent there. And the Cubs, Cleveland, Cubs, Cleveland series is pretty is pretty attractive. Um, to I'll tell
1: you to the match. Except except it's interesting. I find myself – the the last time that the Cubs were this good and, and were going was the Steve Bartman era, right? Steve Bartman game, sure. I guess it, which I believe was in – I can't even remember the year. Oh, three. I, know three. I, was, I was in Vegas. I was in Vegas. Um, but the fact is I find myself rooting against the Cubs. I do. I, I I can't give you. Well, I can give you a reason why, but I mean, the fact is, when it comes to playoff baseball, if the Mets are an it, I tend to root for the underdog, and there is no team in the sport this entire year that has had more talent than the Cubs. I don't think that's even disputed. They, their second team, can play could start on most first teams, including the Mets. I think, like, their bat nine could start for every position except the Jonas Sespons. And I have a hard time rooting for a team that has that much talent. I think that's kind of why people didn't root for the Golden State Warriors last year, because they wanted to see a team that was the underdog win. I think that is the reason why teams did not root for the New England Patriots when they went 15-1. and and continue to do that. I think when you are the best and you have the most talent, and I know you dispute whether the New England has the most talent or not every year. Teams should people just don't want to root for you. And I find myself look, I feel great for my Cubs, my Cubs friends. But if I had my brothers, uh, it's been a hundred years. Make it a hundred and one. I'd like to see Cleveland win because major league would be played like every other day. And that's been a fantastic <laughs> movie. So I, I'd definitely be on board to see. And you know, you know, Randy Quaid will be in the bleachers. There's no doubt that in the world series, you would be in the bleachers with the Tom Tom drum. That's probably
0: true. So you know, this is what happens when you, when you change your, your manager from Scott facula to Terry Francona. <laughs>
1: Well, that that's interesting because, you know, there was an article, I, I believe it was on ESPN, it may have been in Sporting News, I, I don't really recall, that was saying that Terry Francona is on the verge of Hall of Famedom. For a guy that only hits 16 home runs in his major league career, that's quite an impressive feat.
0: Well, this would be, if they can pull this off, this could be his third title. And, you know, having rebuilt, you know, having been – manager to break the drinks in Boston and to do it in Cleveland. You know, he is extremely well liked around the league and he has been extraordinarily form, formidable as a manager. So I don't have his numbers, but I think his winning percentage has to be probably somewhere in the below six hundred. So I would think or high five hundred. I would assume he would be right in the running. I I don't know how long he yeah. managing for I don't I don't yeah. he took over from Grady yeah. Whittle
1: yeah, buddy, so, you're breaking. You're breaking up. You you got to talk a little bit more into the phone. But the okay. fact is, I think, what I, has,
0: well, I think Okay,
1: please. He has the second uh, highest winning percentage in the playoffs uh, for any manager behind behind. Believe it or not, Ned Yost. The, the Ned I, Yost. I'm yes. Just, the me. Ned Yost. So okay. So anyway, NHL preview. In 20 minutes or so So we're back to the NHL Hockey is back on I'm a very happy camper uh, The Islanders losing two out of the first three But you know what? it's early in the season And I still hate Barclays So uh, a week from tomorrow I will be going uh, to Barclays And I will be sitting in the seats Where I can see the entire stadium And that takes about two rows That's all you got So what are we going to be looking for in the In the NHL this year Well, old faces in the same places, being Steve Stamkos, Victor Hayden, Ben Bishop, and the whole Tampa Bay team. Alex Ovechkin once again looking to lead his team into the playoffs. Last year had a tremendous regular season. The Capitals had a tremendous regular season. And, of course, they had a tremendous regular season and nothing else. They just couldn't put it away. And then you got in the Central Division, you have the Stars, you have the Blackhawks, the Blackhawks come back, National Predators in the West, Pacific, the Sharks. They're old, but they're not old. The Ducks, the Kings. I mean, you got the same old people over and over again. And who can make these teams better? And unfortunately, in in the metropolitan area where you have – A tremendous amount of talent, unfortunately, on the Rangers. And the question is, can they bring it back to where they need to be? Uh, I think they do make the playoffs. If I had to give my uh, hockey predictions at this point, uh, in the Eastern Conference, I'm going to go one through eight, and then I will uh, turn this over to my uh, cohort, see what his predictions are. In the Eastern Conference, in the Metro Division, The Capitals will be the first-place team. And why will they be the first-place team? Because of the Washington Capitals. And they are the best regular season team in the last five years, hands down. Now, that never extends to the playoffs. And as my uh, Washington friends know, there is always disappointment in the air. But they will, again, take the – I believe they will take the president's trophy with the most wins. And Jake obviously is agreeing with me.
0: He he is agreeing with you.
1: So second, second is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Third, look, I want to say the Islanders here. I just don't see it. They have a whole lot of talent, but I don't see them winning the, the uh, being second in their division. I'm going to put the Rangers third, the Islanders fourth, the Flyers fifth, Columbus sixth. Carolina 7 And bringing up the 8th Surprisingly In their division In, in the Eastern Conference Making the playoffs Your New Jersey Devils
0: Well that sounded a little, Wait that just sounded like the Metropolitan Division It didn't take in, I did. You have nobody making it from the, from the Atlantic
1: Oh I'm sorry I'm sorry That was the Metropolitan Division That was not the playoffs I'm sorry I'm sorry my bad I totally wrecked that Okay
0: you want to talk to me sorry. again, once again about being the hockey expert because you just lost all your wow. credibility right there, big man.
1: This is, where, this is where Sean being sick doesn't exactly work well when giving a preview. In, okay, so sorry. Bringing up the rear will be the New Jersey Devils. In the Atlantic Division, I have the Tampa Bay Lightning, followed by the Montreal Canadiens, Florida Panthers, Boston Bruins, Detroit Red Wings, Sabres, Senators, and then the Maple Leafs finishing last. Although they will have the Rookie of the Year in Austin Matthews, so for your playoffs, first two teams in each division are the Capitals and Penguins and Lightning and Canadians. The Islanders, Flyers, and Rangers make it, along with the Canadians and uh, sorry, the, and the Canadians. So the Bruins do not make it. So eight teams in the uh, in the Eastern Conference. And the all Detroit right. Red Wings finished outside of the playoffs
0: for the first time, seemingly in about five decades. Uh, to me, the most impressive thing when you're going into the season is kind of the the new blood seems to be here. You have Connor McDavid in Edmonton. You have Austin Matthews, who you've already mentioned, in Toronto. You have Jack Eichel, who's out for eight to ten weeks in Buffalo. You have, you know, all these young studs. Taylor Hall's been traded to the Devils. Nathan McKinnon in, in St. Louis, although he's, not, I guess, not that young anymore. You know, but all these, like, 21, 22-year-old guys, you know, waiting to see if they're ready to take over the throne from the Sidney Crosby, from the Alex Tvichkin. You know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, you know, kind of going through your d- divisions, I don't really have much of, an, much of an argument with you in the Metropolitan. Um, I have the Devils above, above the Hurricanes and above the Flyers. But other than that, I have the – you know, the Caps are going to win. The Caps are like the San Diego Chargers were 10 years ago. And, you know, the you know all these teams, the Kansas City Chiefs, all these teams that kind of win their 55 games and never it don't seem to – just can't seem to go the next step in the playoffs. Um, I have the Caps, the Penguins, the Rangers, and the Islanders, one through four. And then, as I said, Columbus, the, the Devils, Philly, and, and Carolina. Um, coming to the other division, it's going to be Tampa. I have Tampa, Florida, Montreal, uh, and Ottawa. And then Buffalo is kind of Buffalo is making its way up. Boston's on its way down. Detroit's kind of in nowhere land right now. And the Maple Leafs, you know, Mike Babscop's doing a nice job out there. And Lamarol they're doing a nice job. But there's just, you started with such a low amount of talent. It's going to take a couple of years to build this thing up.
1: Yeah, the Maple Leafs are very much like an expansion team right now, um, they have a lot of money but they just don't have any talent. And the interesting part that you'll see in the NHL this this year before we get over to, the, uh, to what I call the Campbell Conference, although they're not referred to that way anymore, is with the expansion draft of Las Vegas coming next year, you have the ability to protect in the expansion draft three defensemen and five forwards or four and four and one goalie. Now, you have to give up players that have played more than 40 games. So there's going to be a lot of young talent out there, and you will see teams making trades throughout this year. I think you'll have more trades this year than you have ever had before because people teams do not want to lose young talent for nothing. And I think you're going to see you saw one in um, Anaheim, where they traded Frederick Steinman to uh,
0: Fred. No, no, no. Fred no Frederick, Frederick Steinman Wow. <laughs> Frederick, what? Wow. John Palmer. If, 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 can I have some of the drugs that Mr. Palmer is on right now? For those of you who don't uh, know, Frederick, Fred Steinman is a friend of ours. <laughs> who I don't think would know the difference um, between a hockey puck and a, and a baseball. So. so
1: the drugs that I am on are Cyclobopri- cyclobenzaprine and the other one Psycho- ben- is Wait, Psycho- on ben- Go ahead. are you on the, are you yeah, on the Psycho- drugs ben- that,
0: that Donald that Donald is accusing Hillary of being on cyclobut
1: Psycho- ben- Is that yeah, what I don't know what that is but that's what I'm on And that may oh, be for marvelous. my back but that's what I'm on And I'm also on Meloxicam. So whatever those two things are, I'm on those. And I'm on Advil along with Sudafed. So it's been an interesting couple of days. Uh, Okay, moving on to the Western Conference. Moving on to the Western Conference, where I may not thoroughly embarrass myself anymore. Um, The formerly known Campbell Conference. In the Pacific Division, San Jose, Anaheim, the Kings, the Flames, Edmonton making a surprising leap, maybe not so surprising, but certainly something that is unexpected to me. Uh, I have them fifth in that division. Remember, in the Campbell or Western Conference, there are only seven teams, while in the Eastern Conference, there are eight in each division. So then you have uh, Arizona. And I actually I have Arizona over Vancouver, which just tells you, even with the Cedean brothers, how low Vancouver really has dropped well, that, in the NHL.
0: And that may just be the question of, do they, is it time, the Cedeans have been there for almost 15, almost 12, 13 years at this point. Is it time for the, Vancouver is in a complete rebuilding phase. They're not going anywhere in this division in, in 17 or in 18. Do, can they, is it time to trade them to a, say a Florida? Or Tina needs some offensive punch to kind of make the next jump to have a chance to make a Stanley Cup run? Because there's only nowhere in Vancouver at this point.
1: Agreed. Well, the thing about the Sedans is that they both have no trade clauses. So if they want to move, they'll move. If they don't want to move, they won't move. And as they have said many times, if they move, they're moving together. So you're not taking – the salary hit of $8.5 million. You're taking the salary hit of $17 million. And there are not many teams that have the ability to take on $17 million. So you're going to have to see a lot of salary. Either be, The good thing about the NHL, at least with trades, which is not the same in any other sport, is that a team can hold on to salary. So this is something, especially with the uh, when you see the expansion trades going on, where a team might give up a young player along with a very old player, so they can get rid of some salary, and with ho- keep the salary. So if you trade a Sedin, both Sedins at seventeen million, Vancouver can say, give me a better package coming back, and I'll hold seven of that million, seven million of that dollars. On my salary cap. Now, does that mean that Vancouver is paying the Sedin seven million dollars? No. The full salary is being paid for by, say, the Florida Panthers, but the cap number is st- stays with the Vancouver Canucks. Just an interesting little tidbit with uh, with the collective bargaining agreement that is different in the NHL than in any other place. Okay, so moving on to the to the other division, which is uh, the Central Division, Dallas, Nashville, with uh, PK Subban in the biggest trade of the off season. Subban goes from the Los Habitantes, the Montreal Canadiens, to uh, the Nashville Predators for Shea Weber in a trade of defensemen, very different style defensemen. Shea Weber, a much more stay-at-home defenseman, defensive and throws his muscles around, and PKC Band definitely more on the offensive side. Uh, St. Louis drops the third this year. Chicago, Winnipeg, the Wild, and Colorado again bringing up the rear. Colorado has a lot of talent, but you kind of wonder, Patrick Waugh giving his notice very late, getting out of there, they are just in a cluster of all proportions. Uh, if you're looking at... Um, playoffs for these, for, for the eight teams on this side, which I continually contend is unfair because they get the same eight spots that the Eastern conference get gets. Although there are two less teams, one less once you add Las Vegas next next year. So you're, you're just opening it up for another expansion team. So I'm picking for the playoffs, obviously the, front, the top four, which are the Sharks, the Stars, Anaheim, and Nashville, the Kings, the Blues, and the the Blackhawks, and the Winnipeg Jets return to the playoffs. I love the logo. The logo may be the best logo in hockey.
0: Oh, It's interesting. It does seem like there's a little bit of a change in the guard. Um, you know, over the last three or four years, re- the predominant picks have been the Blackhawks and the Kings. You know, occasionally the Sharks have, have jumped in there. Um, you know, I picked the Blues last year, but this is the first year where it, the, the Kings. Is, it seems like it's taken, especially also now Jonathan Quick injured. It does seem that, that both them and in, in, in the Blackhawks, there's not as big a, a range, There's not as big a difference, or as you said, you don't even, you have them. I think number four in the division. I have them number three. Um, in, in the central, so you know, my, uh, the way I'm, uh, my picks are: Nashville one, Dallas two, led by of course uh, Jimmy Ben and Tyler Seguin. Uh, the Blackhawks three, the Jets four, the Blues five. Blues losing David Backus, losing Brian Elliott. Um, it's going to be a tough run for them this year. And then Minnesota and Colorado bringing up the rear in the Pacific. I have I have the Sharks, the the Flames. Actually, making a big jump. I have the Kings third. I have Edmonton fourth, and I have, then I have the Coyotes, the Ducks, and uh, the Canucks out in Vancouver. Um, my two wild, two wild card teams I have are out of the, are out of the Central, so that's going to be the Jets and the Blues. The other teams are the top three in each, each So you don't really
1: we don't have to go through each of the playoff series. We have nine minutes to go in the show. But who do you see as the final four for each of the for each of the two conferences? I have Washington. Unfortunately I'm going to say this, the Rangers. Washington, the Rangers, the Lightning, and the Canadians. And then I have the I'm Lightning making the stand
0: – Sorry? I'm yeah. with you on I'm with you on three of the four. I have the Washing I have Washington I have Washington Pittsburgh. Um, Tampa Bay and Florida
1: okay so you're with me on two of the four
0: oh, two of the four excuse me so I don't have and Pittsburgh
1: in there
0: you, don't, you do not and I have the capitals going through because okay, I'm just, I have the lightning not
1: I have the lightning going through I'm, I'm very surprised to hear you saying the capitals going through um, but do you have them winning at all that's the bigger question in the west I have the sharks, the stars, the blues and the predators. So 3 from the central, 1 from the Pacific. The Kings take a little bit of a back seat as do the the Ducks and as do the Blackhawks. I do not have the Blackhawks in the final 4 this year.
0: My final 4 are the Stars, the Predators, the Sharks and the Blackhawks and I have the Stars moving on to the finals. Okay,
1: and I have the Ducks moving on to the finals. So, oh, I'm sorry. Wow, I'm totally moving it here. I'm sorry. I have the Predators moving on to the finals. So I have the Lightning over the Predators in the Stanley Cup final.
0: And in an NFC East battle, I have the Caps over the Stars. Caps over the Stars. They're going to make it one of these years. They're gonna make one of, one of these years. They're gonna do it for all my poor DC friends who have to suffer through so much pain, which I kind of get a laugh out of. Um, okay, quickly quick, MVP.
1: Have, yeah, MVP. Um, you know, it, it, Sidney Crosby is always in the mix, but I think if they make it to the if they make it to the number one seed, which is where I have the Sharks, I think it will be Joe Thornton.
0: I will go with Jamie Ben. Okay, um,
1: so Rick, rookie of the year. I, I, look, it's Austin Matthews until you can come up with somebody better.
0: Until someone else scores four goals in their first game.
1: Yep. Okay. How about the Vesna Trophy for the top? Uh,
0: I think you have if Carey Price can stay healthy, but that's such a huge if. So, I'll go with Price because I just don't, I think you have to go with him until until proven otherwise.
1: All right, so here's your surprise. I think it's Corey Schneider. Corey Schneider, yeah, that was yeah. my number
0: two. <laughs>
1: and he may, and he may win it for a last place team, but I still think he'll win it. Okay, Art Ross, so the best scorer, I'm putting as Connor McDavid.
0: I think it's a little bit too early for Connor McDavid
1: in that regard.
0: Um, I'm going to put in Alex Ovechkin.
1: Norris Trophy for the best defenseman.
0: PK Subban in Nashville. I like him. I like I like him playing with uh, Peter La- uh, Lavalette.
1: I do too, but I'm going to pick the other Nashville guy, and I'm going to pick Roman Yossi, who's playing with PK Subban on that same line. So uh, we both agree that it's going to be a Predator. We just think it's a different one. So. The Jack Adams Award... Oh, yeah, the Jack Adams Award for Best Coach. What
0: the heck, Barry Trot? If you can get that team to win to win the Stanley Cup...
1: Well, remember, can Jack Adams I know only applies for the regular season.
0: For the regular season, I understand, but I'm going to have them winning the President's Cup for the umpteenth straight year. So you know, what the heck. Usually it doesn't, it doesn't seem to always come from the best team, but since I don't have a huge shock, huge, huge shockers, I don't think and I could go with Laviolette, but in Nashville, but, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with, uh, with, uh, Trops.
1: Okay. I, I agree with you. I think it'll be Trots as well. And like I said, I think they'll win the president trophy one more time. Okay. Five minutes to go. Um, I'll go first. Congratulations to, uh, the Syracuse Orange on probably the biggest win that they've had in 15 years, uh, beating their first ranked team in over 10. The last time that they beat a ranked team was on Yem Kipper against Louisville when I was back in D.C. I believe that was in 2006, so 10 years ago. And, you know what, great stuff from Dino Babers. Really happy, very proud to be a Syracuse Orangeman at least this week. And we'll see if they can beat them in uh, – beat the Boston College Eagles. And the last time I was in B.C. was November 10th, 1998, where we kicked the crap out of them. So let's see if we can do that again this week.
0: All right, a couple a couple of quick points. Number one, and I'm surprised we didn't get a chance to talk about this, but a condolences to the family of Dennis Bird, uh the former Jet lineman, died in a car crash uh, this weekend. You know, best known as kind of an up-and-coming star who ended up paralyzed off of a hit from his own teammate or, you know, running him into his own teammate and a year later walked on the field. Um, in the you've got to be kidding me mode, Kurt Schilling just uh, announced that he wants to run for Senate against uh, Elizabeth Warren. Kurt Schilling, who never went to college and has ran a $50 million business into the ground and moving in out of Massachusetts expects to be one of the most brilliant women in politics today. Exactly what's going, whether you like her or not, she's brilliant. And there's no, not, it's not much of a discussion point. Um, yeah. Get out of my space, face. Kurt. Um, and ironically, the biggest fighter in the U in, in MMA is now declared himself a free agent in George St. Pierre. And I'm curious to see how that's going to play out with the UFC play out with uh, Bellator, and there seems to be potentially a lot of Litigation going on It's going to be very interesting So that's all we got for this week's show um, Do you want to say anything quickly about Dennis Bird Or you're good
1: Yeah we'll, we'll talk Dennis about Bird it next week. Got, you know, Dennis Bird ran to Scott Mercero we'll, we'll talk definitely about it next week And the impact that he had On both the Jets and the Jets family And all of their fans um, Hopefully next week I won't be on drugs So it will be a little bit of an easier Time to deal with me so for Seth Kamen, this has been Sean There's Palmer. Never an I easy
0: time
1: I ah, agree. Next week is our NBA preview, which will take more than 20 minutes. Okay, Seth Kamen, Sean Palmer, BackSportsFace.com, Blog Talk Radio, and have a good week, everybody, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye bye.